It was uh, about 1994, and my beautiful wife was pregnant with our initial children, twin, twin boys, and I was in seminary at the time. And I want to tell the story because God has brought this, uh, this imagery and this story back to my heart just a, a couple months ago in relationship to this series, Catching the Harvest. And, uh, and, and, and today I'm looking at Catching the Harvest, Prepare is our, is our subtitle. And I was in seminary. I was working full-time here as youth pastor and church education director and uh, driving to Asbury back and forth to class, living uh, at the time we had moved to um, Anderson County. We were in Fox Hollow, Fox Hollow Subdivision. And so driving, commuting, and taking the courses, trying to finish a three-year degree in four years. And uh, uh, I went in to see my academic counselor, and he was this old guy. I hadn't had many meetings with him. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he really just can't connect to us younger students, and he had been there for decades and always wore this nice, perfect suit and, and everything. And, and I was in his office and, and uh, uh, looking at the schedule, and, and he goes, Stephen, I need to talk to you about your schedule. He said, you're working full-time, you're commuting, uh, you're trying to finish your degree. And he said, you need to slow down and not be so distracted. He said, and he reached out toward me and said, you need to prepare for these twins coming. And that's really an image that I have while I'm calling this three-part series Catching the Harvest. <clears throat> that in that same heart and that same wisdom, he was showing me this man had probably sat down with hundreds of young students, young families trying to juggle everything. And I was just another one of those doing too much and trying to have a family at the same time. So I... Slowed down my schedule and graduated and add another X year on there and, and, and graduated a year later. And so that's really the heart of, of where we are and where we're going. And when I say catching the harvest, I've, I've spent some time uh, last couple Sundays, and I, and I again want to kind of stay there uh, a little bit as we move along here, in that, that the harvest uh, can be the woman at the well, just one. It can be... Uh, the, the lonely and the lost, because sometimes we view the harvest as the masses, because the Scripture does address the harvest as the masses. And I want to refer to those Scriptures here in a minute, uh, but Jesus tells a lot of parables in Matthew 13, and a couple of them do relate to the harvest. And one, he's talking about the tares, uh, which are, are like weeds, and then the wheat, and how uh, one night the sower had sown the seed for the wheat, and then uh, a thief comes in and, and, and sows weeds. They call them tares back then, uh, a certain type of weed. And because the tares will grow up, and you, they look dissimilar to the wheat, and you can't tell them apart until then it's harvest time, and the, the grain is coming forth, and, oh, okay, this was full of tares. And, and so... We have this 
this in, uh, Jesus explains uh, the way this what this means. And he says, yeah, the enemy, that's the evil one was sowing uh, the evil and, and the tares, but the wheat uh, is the, the angels who come harvest this. In verse 39 of verse, uh, chapter 13, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And so there is going to be this massive harvest at the end of the age uh, before Jesus comes back. And, and, and it says that, that they take those, those tares, the weeds, and burn them and destroy them and judge them, and then the wheat is the harvest. So there's, there's masses, and we see that perhaps in Revelation 14, there's actually the fulfillment of this parable where it describes uh, that on a cloud sits one like the Son of Man, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, and he has a sickle in his hand. And then another angel uh, calls out, uh, swing your sickle in this this son of man who is, you know, likely is probably the Lord Jesus Christ himself, takes his sickle and he sweeps the earth and there's this massive harvest uh, before he returns and, and to him. And then he, he does another harvesting of evil after that, right after that. And so we get this feeling from Scripture that the harvest is, is the masses. God's going to do a great work even talking about Israel and what God's doing with the Jews in the end times. It says that all Israel will be saved, meaning that there will be such a revival and at a certain time where their hearts will be so open, crying out for mercy and for God that, that there will be just thousands and thousands of Jewish people being saved. But I want, So I want to read a couple of more scriptures about harvest today. And I've, I did this a couple of weeks ago. I referred to John chapter 4 and uh, this story of the woman of the well. And at the end of that uh, at episode, their encounter where Jesus is with this very lonely, rejected woman. She's, she's all by herself, and he's reached out to her. He's revealed uh, himself to her that he's the Messiah. The... Um, Disciples come back, and they don't even want to be there. They're, this is the Samaritans. They, they don't have pure religion. They don't have, uh, you know, a, a um, um, you know, so they don't have the direct line to God like we do, and, and they're so messed up, and there's a lot of prejudice there. And <clears throat> I want to read this passage uh, to us again at John, John chapter 4, verse 34 through 38. And Jesus said to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus Christ is motivated by the harvest to finish that work, which is what he feasts on. That's what keeps him going. Verse 35 says, uh, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And so there is this, this illustration, they're living it out right there, these disciples don't even want to be in Samaria. They had to stop there to get some food. 
They wanted to keep on moving to the destination. And she ends up spreading a revival in those villages. You know, sometimes you think in youth ministry, I was a youth pastor many years, it's like, well, if you just can get the star quarterback saved, then you're going to just have major impact. If you can get the, the captain of the cheerleading squad saved, they're really the popular kids, you know, dedicated to the Lord. Boy, you're going to really impact that high school. And praise God, God wants to save every uh, popular student or, you know, the popular community leader in the business uh, the community, the one who's a politician in local politics and everybody knows him or her. And wow, if they're such a good speaker, if they just got saved, what an impact they would have. Uh, you know, that person is so as a famous person on TV. If they got saved, what, what am, yeah, yeah, God wants to save them. Absolutely. But in this village... Jesus went after the one who was the most rejected and alone. And they saw such change and transformation in her. I have met the Messiah. I've met. He told me everything about me. You've got to meet this man. They see that, okay, something really amazing has happened. She's the most depressed woman, should be depressed knowing her life. And Jesus goes after her, chooses her, and there. In, in a moment, the whole town says, we want, to, we want to know more. We want to meet this man. They're there two days. The, the disciples didn't even want to be there for lunch, much less stay for two days. And Jesus is teaching, and so God turns things upside down, and he uses anyone that has a genuine, real transformation to shine for that that transformation glorifies him. And so what I want to say to you is that the harvest is it's close by. The harvest isn't a wait and see when the big harvest comes. It's, it's close by. It's right near us. It's everywhere around us. In that cubicle uh, in our office, in the, uh, at the break room, just on the other side of the table, there's the neighbor next door. So just a couple of statements here. Christ is motivated to finish the harvest, but that's one at a time because he wants us to see the white harvest. It's ready and begin reaping now. I just love that. So we see this. And this is time when I, I should bring up Mike Ellison and, and explain to us how hard it is uh, and the process of farming. Because in this passage, Jesus is talking about sowing and reaping. In John 4, he says, 437, for in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. It takes a team. You, you've got to get the equipment ready before you start. You've got to cultivate and prepare the ground. Then you've got to get all the, the seeds sown just right. And then you've got to, uh, you know, protect it from weeds and from drought. And then harvest time. Well, that's a whole other set of equipment and preparation, another set of workers. And it just goes on and on. Harvest time, it's not, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's has a sense of finality, a sense of rejoicing because you're, you're, bringing in the harvest, the fruit of all of your labors is happening. And so we need to accept the facts, folks, that Jesus has called us living waters. We are farmers. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. 
Oh, I wanted to get it right this time. So two weeks ago, I said this phrase, we are farmers. How many of you had that jingle in your head as soon as I said that? Okay, two weeks ago, because you came up to me after church and says, we are farmers, you know. And so, oh, let's do that next week. Well, I didn't get to that in my message. So this Sunday, we had to work it in. And so we do. We need Mike Ellis to teach us these farming elements. It's the, there are several of these metaphors, illustrations that Jesus used to explain what's going on here. And we are farmers. And so in this big harvest, massive harvest, it's really just one at a time he calls us to. And that's why I'm really honing in on this this one at a time, one another concept of the heart of God. Because I want us to say that the gift, there's a gift of being known. Because if we're not known, it is a lonely life, and God doesn't want that for us. So one of the statements I had, I've, I've said, just to, to hit it and go on to some others, the gift of being known is you aren't ex- if you aren't experiencing church as a family, unless you are known. Many good things happen in church. There's teaching, there's corporate worship, corporate prayer. There's $150 gift giveaways for a great date. I mean, there's some great things that happen to church. You have children's ministry for children and your grandchildren. And, and so there's, but God calls us a spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ, for reason, but that means we need to we need to step into that. And here's another statement: and the gift of being known is when you don't need to hide, and you keep your heart open to those who are safe, those you trust. It's not all hundred some plus people that you open your heart to, and you reveal spaces and places in your heart and life. I'm not saying that, but there's got to be two or three. And God has uh, bonded us through his son, Jesus, that those can be very trusting relationships. In a family, it's hard to hide things. You live together. You watch children grow up, and now they're young adults. You know their whole history. It's hard to hide things. We try, and often, unfortunately, because of division in family relationships and hurt and pain, we close our heart to one another. And God wants, he provides a spiritual family so there can be another set of relationships that we can trust and uh, open our hearts to. I believe that the gift of being known is so important that we need to be known in order for us to be wholly alive. That life wasn't meant to live all alone. So this is true for every person who walks through the door. They're asking a question. Am I going to develop friendships here over time? At our church, I just, let's be honest about it right now. We've been in a season for a couple of years that we have more widows and widowers among us than we have in earlier history of our church. And I was talking to one of the widows this 
past year a few times, and and she would really express grace uh, of about being alone at home. And yet she said, one of the harder times for me is when I come to church because I'm entering the building alone. And now I'm finding a seat alone. And that's just so, it, it hits me for some reason in those moments. It's just so different for me. Even in the fellowship hall for covered this dinner, you go through the line, you get your plate, and then at the end of the table, what do you do? You look up, you start looking for a place to sit. Now, after, and I, I didn't, I don't remember how many 50-plus years of being married together. Now, at the end of the, you're holding your plate, and you're trying to find a place to sit alone. And so there are some new dynamics in our church family and some new needs that we want to be aware of and, and say, Lord, the, this, this means the role of the spiritual family has only increased at Living Waters. Perhaps you have a family that lives out of your state. Maybe you don't have good relationships with family. And so we're it. So I want to go there. I want to be honest about this and, and, and for people to help me. How do we encourage our single folk in uh, engaging in the spiritual fa- family? Yes, it's good and right like we're doing right now in February to encourage uh, marriage, to train, to build it up. That is a building block for society is strong marriages. So that's critical. At the same time, help me, give me some some ideas and ways to encourage and build up people who are single among us for whatever reason. I'm going to just throw up my email up here. Uh, it's, it's not a hard email. It's my name with the dot between my first and last name at living-waters.org. Write this down. Take a picture of it. I want you to contact me with your ideas. But loneliness can happen even if you're married. Marriage doesn't make that go away. In fact, the first step of healing loneliness in our hearts is a relationship with the one who created us. Who created us in a way to need, want, and desire relationship. And that's through him. And so Jesus said, I'll take care of that. And I'll make the way to you, Father, so we can have relationship with the ones we love, who we created in our image. Uh, I serve a couple of companies uh, as my, my side work, my marketplace ministry work. And I work with an uh, accounting firm and I work with a, a construction management firm. I'm in their offices once a month at least, if not more. And what I'm doing is I'm making connections with employees, and I'm available for short-term counseling or for uh, coaching sessions. And there is this uh, employee that um, I only see in the office a few times a year, every couple, two or three months or so, because he's out in the field working and he's not really, doesn't do a lot of office hours. And when I see him in the office, it's just a simple hello in the hallway. It's usually not very long conversations, not much chit-chat, but he has consistently pulled me aside about every nine, eight, nine months. He'll pull me aside, we'll sit down in his office or in a conference room, and he'll have something that's really weighing on him, something he's got, 
uh, he has young children. Um, he's this is uh, yeah, this career is going well, but he's having to navigate that with his family. He's uh, in, in and these are just heartfelt questions that he has that he struggles with. And I, you know, walk along with him on that. But again, it's it's just every nine, ten months, it's he'll pull aside. We'll have this very, you know, personal conversation and I give him some some feedback and some encouragement. And it's been really neat to see because I don't really get caught up very often and see the changes and where he's approaching things. It's very encouraging. This last time he had me sit down in the office and he's, his face was troubled. And he said, my wife has had a miscarriage. I just found out it happened a few weeks before this. This really hurt and angered me. Why couldn't she have told me when the miscarriage happened? He said, I was talking to my wife about this. Why did you keep it from me? And she didn't want to bother him. She wanted him to stay focused. She wanted him to not be brought down with this news. He did, that didn't help him. That didn't satisfy him. I'm, I'm your husband. I want, I want to know. And then he said this to her. I have this guy named Stephen at work. That's who I talk to. Do you have anyone like that? And I realized this man is... A very lonely man, though he's married, this was going to hopefully be his third child. But I'm the only one he talks to. And his wife is living the same lonely life, even though they're married. And she doesn't feel the freedom to share with him and doesn't have someone else in her sphere to go to. Loneliness comes in all shapes and sizes, folks, and we don't know what kind of pain walks through that front door on a Sunday morning. I thank you so much for coming here with a willingness to, to show and share the love of God out of your eyes, out of your greetings, out of your handshakes. Jesus, in John 13, introduces a new command to his disciples. What's just happened in John 13 is the Last Supper, and in, in this account, the Gospel of John talks about how he washes their feet. And they were resisting. Peter was like, don't wash my feet. He said, you, you better let me do it, or you can't, you can't serve me unless you let me wash your feet. Humbling yourself to serve one another and he said, this is, I'm, I'm modeling serving to you right now. And then Judas leaves at the Last Supper, and this is the conversation. This is the beginning of a conversation that lasts four chapters, 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus' last conversation with the leaven. And this is how he starts it. 
before he gets betrayed. And verse 34, and I'm going to also read verse 35, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that also uh, that you love one another. Verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is the first of these one another phrasing that Paul and, and, and others use in the, in the New Testament letters. This is the first. He said, this is a new command I give you to love one another. In fact, we j- I just washed your feet, and I'm, I'm telling you, you need to wash each other's feet. You need to serve one another. So one Sunday, we're going to have a foot washing service for everybody in the church. You'll never know when it's going to happen. I'm just going to, just kidding, I'm not going to do that to you. You're thinking, oh, he's, he's in the Word. He's not going to make us do a foot washing. No. I mean, at least give me a week notice so I can get my feet. No, we're, we're not going to do one in here, I promise. Okay, you're good. You're good. Unless the Lord tells me, okay. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I mean, whatever. And so we're, we're not going to take this further but right now, but we want to learn about loving one another, the carrying one another's burdens, serving one another, praying for another, greeting. There's just, there's a list of like 59 of these, and, and we've got a lot to learn there. Because he's saying that this is how they will know that you're my disciples is by this. So that's, that's part of the harvest, that they get to know us and they see this love for one another, and that is part of how... The, we prepare to catch the harvest. Let's go to another scripture about the harvest. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is speaking. He's been healing the masses there. Of course, most of those he does, we, we think, you know, there's a lot of healings one-on-one. But verse 36 of Matthew 9 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So even though there were thousands of following and listening, he still saw them scattered, lonely, and lost. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers and workers into the harvest field. And this struck me because you're thinking, I'm thinking that, hey, we've got to pray. We've got to pray for this harvest that they come in from all directions, north, east, uh, uh, south, and west. Yes, that's good. But he's saying, no, pray for the workers to be sent out. And it's not far, they're close. And so that's one of my asks for us that I'm presenting to you is ask us to continually pray for us that we would be prepared for the harvest and we would be sent out. Pray for us. I said a statement of back in, oh gosh, this was like January, uh, a, a special Sunday where we had a vision uh, coming from all of our leaders. And I said that 
It, it, was, it was a strong statement, one that I had been processing for months. And I said, I believe that God has sent his harvest to other church families. And I didn't have time and I, you know, to really expound on that. I want to expound on it now. And I, as I've been praying and asking God about this, I, I've been asking questions. Why, Lord? I mean, our people are worshipers. Our people are people of the Word who pray. We have love oozing out of us. There's maturity there in the Lord. There's so much we have. There's, there's all this treasure, this valuable uh, uh, amounts of the kingdom of God in us. Lord, where, why are we not seeing the harvest? And I started meditating. I, I believe that God just, just showed me about his passion. And the word passion comes from the Latin word that is a, a root there of, about suffering. The idea is that passion motivates you through pain and suffering. And that makes sense when we call the passion of the Christ, how, how Jesus suffered through the Christ and taken on our sin uh, on the cross, he, he persevered through that. That's the passion uh, that motes, motivates him through that pain and suffering. And so I just started seeing the passion of the Lord of the harvest. That's, it's immeasurable. It can't be measured. Because this passion caused the father to t- say to his son in heaven, you got to go. You got to go down. You got to leave your throne and you've got to go rescue them. You've got to leave this place of power and you've got to enter earth as a human. That this passion was so much, you've got to humble yourself from God to the God man, the Son of God and the Son of man both on earth and live a human life with all its joys and sorrows and its ups and downs, the temptations, the sorrows, the darkness attacking, all without sin. The passion of the Lord of the harvest says that I, was, I am willing and I was willing to take on the beatings of, of the scourging of 40 lashes to near the point of death, to hang on the cross and suffocate, struggling to breathe. But more than that, that the wages of sin and death, and that your sin and my sin were placed on his body, and you and I are the ones, our sin are the ones that killed him that day on the cross. That his passion to go through that, a sinless, perfect man, to take on the judgment of our sin. That he did not stop there, but he stared death in the face and rose from the grave to say, death is defeated, the effects of sin are defeated, the effects of the devil and all of his demons, I defeat you 
in the power of the resurrection. And I give my people new life that they can be resurrected from the dead. Follow me to heaven. Be reunited with no barriers in heaven. No barriers of sin blocking us anymore. This is my passion. This is my harvest. And I will do anything to make sure that they find my father and that I, my time of suffering was not wasted. And I am looking for people who said, I will prepare for the harvest and I will take them from wherever they are in their journey and walk with them into a mature walk with Christ. Because preparing the ground, sowing, protecting those that crop and the harvest is a lot of steps it's a lot of, it's a long process and Jesus is looking for those who will be in, who will be all in like my heart is all in and that's the big ask over the next couple of months I'm asking you and, and it's just not me. This is, this is a journey the elders have been on, seeking God for months. We had, we had this vision ready to launch in two, at, the, at the beginning of 2020, after I came back from the sabbatical. And, this, you know, the pandemic hit, everything, you know, hit. Was, it was just a, a, a little diversion there for our world. And so I, I say to you, that from the elder's heart, we're presenting to you just some practical, simple, it's not even that hard, practical, simple ways to prepare us, to connect us in a way that all that love and maturity in the Word is just going to be, we're going to be connected together in that much more of a way that be catching this harvest, to be ready for the harvest. When I, I shared this image from my seminary days with a group of ladies uh, ahead of the uh, uh, the women's ministry, one just piped up and said, oh, getting the nursery ready for newborns, newborn spiritual babies. That's the image she saw, and that's right. That whether it's someone who's just seeking and asking some, some hard questions about truth, about life, or someone that's actually, yes, I, I want to respond to this love. I'm, I'm I'm seeing and I'm being revealed. I want this love of Jesus in my life. What do I do? And this brand new spiritual babe that we are ready, we're catching them. It's that nursery is ready with them. And it's, it's, it's yes, it includes the crib and the changing table and all the supplies. So you're not surprised yet. Yeah, but it's the relationships. And that's what my seminary professor was saying. Stephen, you're so distracted and busy with other things. You're relationally, you're not going to be present and ready in your home. See, the reward of the Lord of the harvest is you. It's me. That suffering he went through, that victory of smashing death and the devil in all of its power and giving resurrection victory for us, his reward, his, the results of that is 
Tori getting water bat, baptized and Sam declaring, I'm one of his now. I want everybody to know. Jesus Christ did win in the university, won in my heart. The Father treasures that moment just like, and I'll just go ahead and use it because it's staring me in the face. My son Daniel bringing in his new little girl, seeing what the siblings would do. One of the aunts was there, and, you know, the family is going to be getting, let's bring this one into the home. Let's see how we all relate to this newborn, this new person in our family. We need to have clear and easy entry points for relationships in our hearts and our lifestyles so that new friendships can happen with us because there's God wants to bring, and as we sow, He wants to bring that harvest. And I'm going to just, just throw in an example. Again, over the next couple months, we're asking you to pray about these these things, we're going to get more practical later on, I'll, not today, but I'm going to give you one practical example. A group of us were part of the community prayer gathering at A Loving Choice there in Shelbyville as we prayed different ministries, and Erica Price was the director, and she was sharing that night, and I, I believe it was Fred, someone raised hand and said, how can a local church support you and help you? And this is what she said said, I could use a local church or churches that when I have a woman who is looking for a church home or has spiritual questions and concerns, it's all right, let, let the baby cry. We're, we're all into babies right now. It's all right. <laughs> to walk with them before they come to church so that if they do come to church, then they, they have someone that will help them, meet them, and bring them into your, your church meetings and fellowship and so forth. So I'm asking God that there's going to be at least, let's say, three to four ladies who would just start this research process, meeting with staff over there to see what could this thing look like. That's an example of one of the several asks that we're going to put out. Just practical, where we take out, we're all ready, we're ready. We have Jesus in us, we have love, and we, we got the Word, we're ready. Just to place us and position us, connect us in a way that we would say to the Lord of the harvest, we're ready. Lord Jesus, we're ready. This is our offering to you. Lord of the harvest, all that you paid, all that you went for, we say yes, we're all in. We're, we're, we want to be a part of this. We do not want to miss out. And we offer this readiness, this preparedness to you.
so you know that one of these, these precious little newborn babes is not going to just have to figure it out on their own or fall through the cracks or ask to, we'll be there every step of the way. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up. I'm going to, I'm going to put these things that I'm starting to refer to in, in three asks to pray about. Number one, again, it, it's, this sounds like a no-brainer, but we are praying people. So let's write this down and put this at, at a, in a sense, the top of our uh, prayer list. Pray for us, Living Waters Church family, to get prepared for the harvest. To prepare ourselves and prepare our relationships. And here in 2023, that's what we are pursuing. Make, get it on your, your prayer cards and, and, and your, your notes in your Bible. Number two, I'm going to bring this up. I, I really am taking this seriously that three or four people come together. I'd like for you to contact me this week to form a team to initiate encouragement to singles. You're, you're willing to do some, some, bring some ideas together. Let's do some talking and praying, and let's have a way to bring encouragement to singles in our church family. There's new needs of relationships and companionship, uh, and, and we really haven't tackled this ever before. And so we want to grow in this and learn how to love one another. And so I'm asking you to actually contact me this week because I'd like to meet the following week. I mean, I'm ready to work on this. Number three, attend an all-in home group. What's that? We want to get practical. We want to have people uh, uh, gathering in, in small groups, in homes, uh, in all several of our counties out here. And we'll be in the next week or two showing you the dates and times where these will be happening to walk in more specifically of the practical things. What can this look like to be all in in our hearts, but now we just position and we connect ourselves in a way that, hey, we, we really are gonna, going to be ready to, to tell the Lord of the harvest, oh, yes, send us one, two, three, one at a time the harvest. Oh, Father. We love you, Father. And we want others to experience this love relationship. Jesus, thank you that you won us You want us. You are victorious. We say thank you that we are your harvest. If you don't know the Lord in a relationship, I want you to consider praying this prayer with me so you can step into this harvest, in this relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask everyone to Say this prayer out loud with me. It's just a salvation prayer. 
Dear Jesus, I turn from my sin and from my selfishness and I turn towards you. Cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. May your blood make me whole. I believe you rose from the grave. And I want to serve you all the days of my life. I am your child now. Now and forever. I'm going to let Julia just start into worship again. And I'm going to ask uh, these altar ministry team folks just to be available for anything. Could be something going on in your home, your family. Could be something going on um, at work. Something in health, your health, or uh, financially. We just want to be a praying people. And some of you might need to go. That's fine. Some of you want might want to stay in worship. Some of you might want to begin praying for us, the Living Waters family. And you might want to stay a while and just pray. God, prepare me and prepare us for your harvest. I'll dismiss you with the blessing in just a moment. Go ahead. Let's just seek God together. I heard the accusation and I heard the propaganda. I've heard the lies they whispered to my soul. That I have been forsaken And I'll always be forgotten No matter what I do, it's not enough But then I heard a voice As it opened up the heavens Reminding me of who I've always been I am yours you have bought me with your blood and on your hand you've written out my name let's sing this together i am your beloved one the father loves your mercy has defeated all my shame i am your beloved i am your beloved you have bought me with your blood and on your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved one the Father loves mercy has defeated all my shame Jesus, Jesus, we want your heart. Lord of the harvest, we give us a little peace, at least a little peace I know wouldn't take much, but just give us a little bit a peace of your heart for those whom you died for, that you rose for. We're so grateful that we are part of this harvest. 
Lord, may we enter in in an all-in, committed, devoted to you kind of a way. It says, Lord, we're, we're part of your team, Lord of the Harvest. We're one of your workers. We say yes to the harvest, to you, the Lord of the Harvest. Lord, we need your blessing this week on our relationships, on our, our work issues. We are asking, Lord God, that you empower us for all that we face this week. We ask your grace to be more than enough so that we can walk in your peace and shalom this week. Because we know your grace is more than enough. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you that you go with us and even live in us by your spirit. Be blessed. Have a great week. Feel free to stay and linger some more in worship or prayer. Come down for prayer. Love you guys. Who knows me?